630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Who's up across the 40? He swings it to the 45, the 50, down the sidelines. He goes. The KSJ. He's got all sorts of daylight. Touchdown, Eskimos. For the win. Dryson over the line. Tanner's McDavid back to Dryson. One-timer. Score. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Brought to you by Cam LLP Injury Lawyers. Representing injured people in Edmonton and across Alberta since 1962. On the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos, 630 Chad. San Jose Sharks have fired head coach Peter DeBoer. They're currently sixth in the Pacific Division, 15-16-2 on the season. They have not won in their last five games after losing 3-1 to Nashville over the weekend. They lost 7-1 to Tampa Bay, 5-1 to Florida. And it looks like that Bob Boogner will take over behind the bench of the Sharks. Just 15-16-2 on the season. Eight points behind Edmonton and Arizona, who are tied for first in the Pacific. NHL action tonight. Senators and Canadians scoreless. Seven and a half minutes left in the first. After one, Bruins and Capitals. Good showdown there. one nothing for Boston. Pasternak is 26th of the season. Later tonight, the Flyers take on the Avalanche. Basketball tonight. The boardman gets his ring returning to Toronto. Kawhi Leonard and the Clippers leading the Raptors 47-38. Four minutes left in the second quarter. The Clippers have outscored the Raptors 26 in the second quarter. Leonard with a modest seven points so far in this game. We'll keep you updated. Thanks a lot for tuning in. My name is Reed Wilkins. It's Inside Sports on Oilers and Eskimos Radio 630 Ched. The Oilers back at it tomorrow. They'll visit the Minnesota Wild 430 face-off show here on 630 Ched, and the game will start at 6. Last night, the Oilers fought back, but then fell apart. Now off the draw, it's blasted out from center ice by Dougie Hamilton at the red line he whistles a slapper past Miko Koskinen well that was ultimately the dagger the sixth goal in a 6-3 win for the Hurricanes Hamilton looking into the corner for a shoot in fires it past Miko Koskinen and the Oilers go just 1-2-1 and on their four game homestand Speaking of returns, th- to me, this is bigger than Kawhi back in Toronto. Joaquin Gage is back on Inside Sports. Joaquin, how are you doing? <laughs> Good, Reed. Uh, where's my ring? We'll, we'll get it to you. <laughs> uh, I, we'll get you. I, I, I put this on Twitter. I, I just wish the championship rings were a little bigger. Like, they're yeah. so understated. These <laughs> I like days. the ones that go right across the knuckles if, uh, if, you're, if you're looking to get me something. I know it's the holiday season, so uh, I'll be waiting. They might as well just make it a championship glove at this point. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Kyle Lowry's giving is giving Leonard this thing before the game, and I'm thinking, what is he possibly going to do with that? I mean, they even need to make bigger display cases now because I assume you can't wear it, but you you need more than just the little display display case. You need to put it. You know those. You know when you put a cake under the the, the glass dome. Exactly. <laughs> so you need. Well, didn't you? Uh, didn't uh, uh, Odell Beckham Jr. wear that like? $800,000 watch and, and right. play a game this year. So who knows? Maybe it's uh, big rings next. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, that was uh, that was pretty funny. But uh, Raptors within 
eight here as they, they take on the Clippers. Hey, uh, I played the clip there. Um, I mean, you played goal. I know a few got by you during your career. <laughs> just a couple. Just, just a couple. I know it was just a couple. I, I, I mean, did you ever have a guy fake you out like that or try to fake you out on the? You know, Reed, it's it's funny that everyone's giving attention like this, but it it happens almost on a regular basis where guys try to do that. I found anyway. I uh, I I think I did let one in. Actually, my uh, one of my first years pro in the minors, and um, I vowed never to do it again. So essentially, I I just waited on the shooter until I saw that puck actually start going going around the boards to venture out and maybe try to stop it. But um, as most people know, um, I have my NHL record for fastest two goals against, and by the same person, um, Darren Quint scored on me, and then on the uh, ensuing faceoff went to wrap it around, and it was in the old barn in uh, in Winnipeg, and it hit the stanchion and went in. So, um, I guess I have let one in from the uh, from the other end, but kind of it needed a little coaxing from the boards. Yeah, and I mean that was <laughs> such a so. But but you said guys like that's a common move that a player will be looking into the corner and then and then try to blast oh, it on net. Oh yeah, guys guys would try that all the time. I am um, I I played with a few guys that. Uh, I guess no one they're not really household names but the 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 one guy that comes to mind that would do it on a regular basis but it was Nick Lidstrom but he would shoot from the other end of the ice but he would kind of it would seem like he'd cup his stick and it would uh he'd bounce it like he he could shoot the puck from from center and make it bounce that right around the hash marks i think if you remember that that one series against the canucks and i'm pretty sure the goaltender was Cloutier, but the pucks the the canucks were up in that series i think 3-1 and then lidstrom scored from center to uh to get a one goal lead i think and and completely turn that series around for uh for the wings and and they came back and won but yeah that i played with a few guys that were able to to do this kind of trick shot and once that puck bounces if it bounce it's it's almost like a shortstop it could it could hit a little divot in the ice and and uh and go the exact <laughs> the opposite way on you well, I'm glad you brought that up. You know, Rob and I watched the, watched the games together, and there was the Oilers were on the road. We were watching in the studio here, and I remember there was a long shot, and it skipped a couple times in front of the net. And, and whoever the goaltender was, he just basically dropped down and tried to make himself as big as possible because if it bounced funny, I, I don't know if he would have had time to do anything about it. Well, yeah, when you see that puck dropping, I would always go, oh, geez, expletive, 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 just get your body in front of this, right? <laughs> because you don't want it to go in. <laughs> you must feel for Koskinen when that goes in last night, though. Yeah, I'd, I mean, it was a pretty good shot from there. To go posting in from that distance, that's uh, that's... That's quite impressive, but no, I don't. I don't think he'll be venturing out anytime soon when uh, when a wraparound comes. If I'm if I'm Minnesota, I'm uh, I'm shooting from long distances if he gets the start next game. That's for sure. Joaquin, when you had one go in on you that clearly shouldn't have, and again, it only happened a couple times in your career. <laughs> Not many. It wasn't my fault. I was screened on half exactly. of them. Exactly. Do you what, do you say something to the teammate? Does a teammate say something to you? Do they leave you alone? Do you kind of look to the bench and give like what's what happens? Um, well, with 
earlier on in my career, I was I always got really mad at myself, and and it would vice versa. I would get mad on my teammates if they accidentally shot one into their own net. But as I got older and somewhat more mature, um, no one means to do that, you know. And and uh, of course, there's going to be. I I came to grips with me allowing bad goals once in a while <laughs> in my career and um I, I was lucky enough to play with with a bunch of teammates that knew that i didn't try to do that i wouldn't i wouldn't try to lose a game on purpose i i knew that they wanted me to stop the puck it, it, the the biggest thing is letting down your team in a in a crucial time like the, i mean the game was kind of out of reach at that point so that's good but um you can kind of brush that off but if you're going to let one of those in in a 2-1 game and the other team goes up by three with five minutes left that's those are the ones that really affect you Former NHL goalie, former Oiler Joaquin Gage joining us tonight on Inside Sports. So the Oilers still tied for first in the division. It, it's it's tightened up. I think every team in the Pacific Division has had a good little run and has had a slump, so nobody's really been able to take control of it. The Oilers beat Washington on October 24th, one of the best games of the season, yeah. to get yeah. to 8-2-1. and one. Since then, they're 10-9-3. and three. You know, I think, you know, Dreisaitl looking a little frustrated on the homestand. They didn't get the quality of the goaltending or the penalty kill they've been getting at other times in the season. I mean, you mentioned it. Players know when they're having a tough time. They're not doing it on purpose. So when you're trying to get through a, a tough time like this and and get back to maybe, you know, winning 6 out of 10 instead of 4 out of 10, what what has to happen? How do players fight through this with their teammates, with the coaching staff? Well... I would always the the good coaches always seem to 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 have a more relaxed atmosphere around. Maybe so, uh, have a little bit more fun. I mean, look, it it is a game at the at the end of it all, and it, obviously it's more fun when you're winning. But sometimes when you're losing, um, you can see you, you're you're gripping the stick too hard. You're trying to do too much. I think. Um, you can see it in a lot of the Oilers' play, especially last game with the the amount of overpassing. Uh, sometimes just simplifying the game um, can help. Just uh, getting pucks on net and making things as easy as possible for yourself, right? Getting out of your own head. I mean, I have a I have a ton of space up in mine, and sometimes that was my worst enemy. I uh, I was I was too hard on myself, and not just like you put the work in in practice, but when you get on the ice, just play and have fun. That was always. Uh, that was always my my way to get out of a slump and and also just knowing that like uh sometimes you can get into a hostile environment especially at at home with fans and and I would always tell myself they don't want a booth they'd much rather be cheering me <laughs> me on and I had a I had a few thousand people wanting me to do my best so I uh, I always told myself that at uh, at rough times as well well, I love how you tell that, right? Because you know I ask athletes and ex-athletes all the time about the mental game because that's what what can separate it for, for players. And, and I, I mean, I, I always say, I know I can't be in a guy's head and, and know how he's feeling, but sometimes, like, you just feel like Leon's taken all this on himself and, is, you know, he almost looks like he thinks, okay, if I, if I can beat everybody single-handedly, it'll give the team a boost. But then, like you said, that complicates everything and, and you get deeper into a rut. Yeah, it's 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 good and bad, right? Like you want you want a guy that that wants the puck at the la, in the last minute or the ball the last. That's that's the sign of a of a superstar player. But I I've 
I think I've mentioned this before that I'm I'm a little bit worried of the amount of minutes that those two are playing. Um, it's the equivalent of body shots in boxing throughout the year. It's just it's wearing them down. I think uh, definitely with Leon, he, he needs his minutes cut back a little bit. Um, there's just too much responsibility on on those two to win it. <laughs> I mean, it's so tough not to not to run with those two horses, right? They're they're two of the best players in the world. Why wouldn't you want them out there? They're such a great weapon. But um, I think we really need to divide the time between the those top guys and, and other guys have to start pulling their weight. It's uh, it's been an issue with. I mean, even in Boston, they've they've been talking about that in Boston where they rely so hard on those uh, those top three and they're looking for some secondary scoring but um i think we're just seeing a blip in the radar with the oilers right now um i it's i i like it a little bit i don't think you can go through a whole season without adversary adversary the if you look at the st louis blues last year i mean and you look at the tampa bay lightning two different teams that you at this point last year, you wouldn't uh, there. You would say that their roles would be completely reversed by the time June rolled around. So, um, I, I like the fact that they have to dig themselves out of a hole because in the playoffs, it just it prepares you that much more. Uh, what did you think of the McDavid no shot on the penalty shot? How stunned were you? <laughs> Dumpin's never a bad play. Right? Dumpin's, <laughs> uh, he should have just started cycling in the corner to himself, and uh, and and uh, the fans could have had a chuckle and and just leave it at that. But uh, I I think he's uh, it's okay if he has one blip on the radar. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I, I hear you. I mean, I'm sure no one felt worse. Well, obviously, no one felt worse. Worse. It was just so surprising. Right. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I couldn't like. I must have slowed it down a thousand times on the on the PVR to see actually what happened. And yeah, you just uh, maybe it was another thing, just overthinking. You know, just uh, sometimes going down. I, I like the slap shot on the on the uh, on the penalty shot. Actually, it uh, a you're going to freeze the goalie, and if you're going fast enough, you might be able to go around. But and b it, it's almost too hard to. If it's a good shot, you're going to beat him. I'd I'd like to see more slappers. Uh, from the hash marks. <laughs> you know, Rob says that all the time, that that was his oh, shootout. He's he, done it to me. That's, yeah. the, that's why. <laughs> <laughs> he did it to you. Oh, yeah, he does that all the time. And, and when we go to these uh, charity events, I, I hate, like, I love Rob off the ice. On the ice, he's he's awful because he's uh, he's he's still quite good. And those hands, the, once a goal scorer, always a goal scorer. <laughs> he actually does play D sometimes, but... Uh, like I, he before the game, he says he'll see me after the game. I don't see him that much. <laughs> yeah, lose. It's D. It's a small D. It's not a capital D. It's yeah. just a small and the, D. all that stuff where he says he's slow. That's uh, that's not true. Like uh, from the blue line in in the offensive zone, he's. Uh, I wouldn't say McDavid, but uh, <laughs> I, I I'd say maybe maybe Luch. <laughs> Uh, Joaquin, this is great. Always enjoy your your perspective. Uh, hey, before I let you go, what are you doing on Sunday? You're helping out 630 Chess Centers Anonymous. Yeah, we're, I'll be at Ikea from, uh, I think, uh, 11 till 2, uh, just helping out with Centers Anonymous, uh, doing some, uh, helping out with giving some trees. I'll be in my, uh, my uh, Clark Griswold gear, so you can't miss me. And... Uh, Come on out and and get a treat. And you may have a story or two if somebody asks. I'm I'm sure I can muster some of those up, Reed. (laughs)
<laughs> Joaquin, thanks for doing this, man. Hope you had a great day and enjoy the Oilers game tomorrow, buddy. You too, buddy. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Joaquin Gage, former Oilers goaltender, former NHL goaltender, great storyteller. Always a pleasure to have him on the show. So uh, he, he's uh, he let in a few few long ones himself, and as you heard him say, he is. He doesn't mind that the Oilers are, are facing a little bit of trouble here because he hopes it toughens them up to uh, to the for the playoffs. Now, the flip side of that is if this goes on for too long, they're not going to be in a playoff spot. But right now, still tied for first in the Pacific Division, 40 points with Arizona. San Jose is sixth, and they have fired head coach Peter DeBoer. If you feel like reaching out to old Wilkie, I'm happy to hear from you. The text number and the phone call number is the same. 780-496-0063. We prefer if you use a rotary phone if you're calling, but we will we will reluctantly accept cell phone calls. We're back after the break. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins is brought to you by Cam LLP Injury Lawyers, representing injured people in Edmonton and across Alberta since 1962. We get so Another coach fired in the NHL, Peter DeBoer, let go by the San Jose Sharks. They're 15-16-2, winless in their last five. And I guess now when we report a coach being fired, we have to add this. It was for hockey reasons. It was for hockey reasons. A coach was fired in Dallas yesterday for unprofessional conduct. And uh, Mike Heike, who covers the Dallas Stars, will check in in the next half hour to talk about the Stars. Very back-and-forth season for them. They started poorly, came on, not as great lately. Still a pretty good team, I think. And uh, obviously this has an impact on a couple of guys who used to coach here in Edmonton. Todd Nelson is on the Dallas staff. And now Derek Laxtall goes up from the Texas Stars to be on the Dallas Stars staff Blackstall, former coach of the Edmonton Oil Kings, won the Memorial Cup with the team. He's been coaching in the American Hockey League. So Mike will check in after the 6.30 news. Well, I want to uh, give this a quick mention here. The The Oilers have a, a carry-forward 50-50 pot. It'll be on the game on New Year's Eve, Tuesday, December 31st, when the Oilers play the Rangers. The pot is going to start... This, this is something. I wonder what it's going to wind up at. The pot's going to start at $116,000 wow. on New Year's Eve. I bet you this gets over $300,000. That's just my, my speculation. We love the 50-50 in Western Canada. Do they get 50-50s in other parts of the world, other parts of Canada? They do, but it's they don't not go, as grand here. Well, our, our buddy Jay, Jay Onright from Athabasca, he won the 50-50 at a Blue Jays game a few years ago. It was That's like right. it was like nine thousand bucks. Yep, but like I was meant like, to could say. Can you imagine having a 50-50 at a pro sporting event in Edmonton that was nine thousand dollars? There'd have to be two people there. We do it up right here. <laughs> Just be two guys. Okay, I'll buy half the tickets. You buy half. One of us will win. Like anyway, so uh, Oilers 50-50. There's a carryover. So on Tuesday, December 31st, New Year's Eve against the Rangers, the pot will start at $116,000. Mike Heike, when we get back, Inside Sports on 630 Jet.
This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader, 630 Chan. Zidane Ochara getting in a fight tonight. Capitals lead the Bruins 2-1 in the second period. Pasternak, his 26th for Boston. Oshie has both for the Capitals. He's up to 13 on the season. Canadians lead the Senators 1-0 after the first. Cousins, his fourth of the year. In about an hour, the Flyers take on the Avalanche. Peter DeBoer fired as head coach of the San Jose Sharks. Kawhi back in Toronto. And his Clippers doing very well. Start of the third quarter, 64-46 for the Clippers. They outscored the Raptors 37-14 in the second quarter. My goodness. That's a 23-point difference. Leonard tonight, 5-for-8 from the floor, including 1-for-1 from long range, 2-for-2 from the line. He has 13 points. Williams leading the Raptors. Uh, with 15, or pardon me, uh, he's off the he's the Clippers leader, the uh, Raptors leader Siakam with nine. Lowry has chipped in with six so far this evening. All right, Inside Sports on 6:30, Chet. Thank you so much for listening. We have the Oilers traveling to Minnesota today. They play the Wild tomorrow. We're going to have it for you, 4.30 face-off show. The game will start at 6. The Oil Kings face off in half an hour at uh, Rogers Place. They're going to be taking on Swift Current today and Friday, actually. Swift Current here for two. Uh, Oil Kings uh, doing very well. Swift Current having a bit of a tough season, so the Oil Kings will be favored in those games. lot to talk about. With this young man, always a pleasure to have Mike Heike, who's been covering the... How long have you been covering the Dallas Stars now, Mike? <laughs> I'm so young anymore. Uh, I actually started um, in uh, 1993. I went up to Minnesota for a month uh, to help them come down to Dallas and covered them for the Fort Worth paper uh, and then moved to the Dallas paper in 1999 and then did that until last year when I joined the Dallas Stars website. So okay. Pretty much since they've been here. So you've, see, you've seen a lot of changes. You've, you've certainly seen coaches get fired before, but did you ever see a day quite like yesterday with the dismissal of Jim Montgomery? No, because they were playing so well. Um, I think, uh, well, after last night's game, they're 17-4-2 in their last 23 games. Um, and, and the interesting thing is, so uh, they've been given a lot of days off, but then they also, when they want to have practice, they've been really upbeat. Uh, so they have Sunday off. We come back from Monday practice. Um, we're just trying to talk through just some of the things that they're doing, trying to explain to the readers. So Monty's being very patient with us, going through the responsibilities of F1, F2, F3, and how they're trying to get the defenseman to pinch up and that F3 will take over for a defenseman spot. And yeah, just really good and taking the time and being patient with us and then ending with uh, kind of a laugh because I said, uh, you know, do you know who's going to be the goalie tomorrow? And he goes, I know. You know, and I'm like, well, can you tell the fans? And then he said, you know, uh, well, we'll have a bet on it. I'll take Fish, you take Toby, and, and we'll see who wins or whatever. It was very lighthearted and fun. And so we had no idea. And, you know, the players and Rick Bonus said yesterday they had no idea till they walked in on Tuesday morning. And, it just you know, the day of a game, it just all got dropped on them. So it was really a pretty shocking day. How, how were the players reacting to it? Anything stand out? Well, 
You know what? To me, what stood out is that they all were so focused on the game that night, which I, I think ended up being a good thing for them, rather than going home and, and just thinking about it and worrying about it and maybe getting on the phone and talking to too many people or whatever. They went home and focused on the game. They came out and played one of their best periods of the year, and New Jersey's not very good, but and the Stars just pretty much dissected them. Uh, 16-2 to two in shots on goal, 2 to nothing. It could have been even worse than that. And, and really played well. And I think that that, you know, was the tone of all of this. Um, you know, there's several quotes. I don't know, you know if you want to go on the website and look at it. But basically, you know, Joe Pavelski, Tyler Sagan, Jamie Benn saying, you know, we played Monty's style. This is the style he taught us, and that's what we fell back on. And I thought that was really interesting. Um, you know, I don't know what happened. Nobody knows what happened that I know of. Uh, but they all liked Jim Montgomery. They all liked the way they were playing hockey, uh, you know, the off- the offensive numbers aren't there, but the winning is, and they all seem to be bought into it. So um, they're just going to try and carry on, and, and that's the other part of the coaching staff. Rick Bonus basically believes everything. John Stevens is a good friend of Jim Montgomery's. I mean, they were all on the same page. So this it should just go forward exactly the way it was, you know, going before. I mean, the the key, you know. The key loss will be, you know, Jim Montgomery was there through a lot of adversity and made some very difficult decisions, and now that's going to fall to Rick Bonus. But, um, you know, they have the framework to be a very good team still. I, I was mentioned before before we brought you on, before our 6.30 news, a couple of coaches with ties to Edmonton in, in you know are, are affected by these changes. Todd Nelson was a uh, longtime Oilers farm team coach, was the uh, interim coach of the Oilers after Dallas Aikens got fired. And Derek Laxtall, former Oil Kings coach, moves up to the Stars after a few seasons with the Texas Stars in the American Hockey League. How, how does this sort of impact uh, their roles here, Mike? It could be huge. Uh, we really didn't get a chance to discuss specifics either before the game or after it. I mean, we kind of saw a few things that happened, um, and then they had a day off again today, so I'm, I'm going to ask tomorrow. But it sure looks like Todd Nelson, who, when they got off the 1-7-1 and one start, you know, Todd moved up to the press box for periods one and two, and then came down to the bench for period three. And so it looks like he may just stay in the press box. He did not move down to the bench for period three last night. Um, Derek Laxdell uh, is going to coach the power play, which is what Todd was coaching. Um, so, you know, it, it sure looks like Derek's coming in and taking a fairly big um, responsibility in this group. And I don't know if that's Rick's decision, if that's Jim Nill's decision, if it's Scott White's decision. Because uh, Scott White, who is the assistant general manager in charge of the Texas Stars, is a big fan of Derek's. And so... You know, they may have gotten into a room and say, hey, we really like the things that Derek's been doing in Texas, and we think he can be an important part of the staff, and so he'll be on the bench. Uh, Rick uh, Bonus will move from running the defense to running the forwards. John Stevens will move from being kind of a, you know, a, a catch-all, do-all to running the defense, which is what he's done pretty much throughout his career. And then Derek will be the extra guy on the bench and run the power play. I, I know you you've referenced how well the stars have done since starting one seven and one but but even in this great little burst a week ago they had gone winless in four oh three and one now they've they've won three straight i don't, I don't know like are are they a streaky team like how come they started so 
poorly? Like, that was a, a really bad start. Like, how do you sort of sum up their journey this season? The way that I'm dissecting it right now is there just were too many changes. As much as they had, you know, their head coach back for a second year for the first time in four seasons or whatever it was, um, adding Pavelski, having Corey Perry hurt, uh, adding uh, Sakurai, you know, a couple of other guys got hurt. So they had bodies kind of coming in and out of the lineup. Uh, it was just a challenge. It really was. And then they played really well on opening night and lost to the Blues. Then they, or I'm sorry, and lost to the Bruins. Then they played pretty well, you know, their, their next game and lost to the Blues. And then I think it started getting in their head. And all the hype, because uh, there are team, uh, there are people out there picking them to win the Stanley Cup. I think that got into their heads, too, and they just weren't ready. And so when they finally worked their way through it, um, they embraced this identity as an aggressive defensive team. And it's, it sounds kind of a little bit silly, uh, but it really works. And what it is is they have their sticks on the ice. They are attacking on the forecheck. They are supporting their players. They are closing the gap. They are basically really hard to play against. I mean, they're just they're annoying, uh, and they and they you know break up plays and they're just all over the place. Now they're still 26th or 27th in the league in score, and and that's a real problem. But as you know, as we wake up today, they're number one in goals against. They have two good goaltenders. They play an aggressive defensive game. They roll four lines and three D pairs. Uh, Jamie Benn this season is playing three minutes less a game than he was under Ken Hitchcock. It was 1955 under Hitchcock. It's 1655 under Montgomery, and, and I think it's going to be that same way going forward. They're rolling four lines, and it's working. Uh, I wouldn't do it this way when you got two nine million dollar players who are way behind in their scoring and and they're seeing their minutes reduced. I, that's not how I would run a hockey team, but it's working right now. I was one of those people that picked them to win the Stanley Cup, so they clearly got wind of yeah. that, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> that's what it was. You know, it's funny. As I watch them, I start going, like, this could work. This really could work. Rick Bonus is a good coach. John Stevens is a good coach. Todd Nelson, Derek, these are good coaches. They have players who are way under their you know, scoring level. So then the thought process is, you know, would they possibly be better in the playoffs? Will Joe Pavelski step up in the playoffs? Will Corey Perry step up in the playoffs? And those guys become better players. Um, so I, it's early in the process, but you watch them go and play. Like, they were better than the Islanders. Islanders came in here, and the Stars out Islanders, the Islanders. Uh, they were really good, and I think the Islanders are a good team. Um, they got their their you know, butts kicked by Winnipeg and they took it to heart and they came and Winnipeg came down here, you know, two days later and the stars were hands down a better team than Winnipeg was. And so they just, they, they have something, you know, there's something there to everybody's, you know, pulling on the rope at the same time. Everybody is sacrificing goals so that the team can win. Um, you know, they're still going to have adversity. Like, you know, they had uh, a couple of weeks ago when they went 0-3-1. Uh, but they seem to be able to handle adversity pretty well. Mike Heike joining us from DallasStars.com. Mike, I want to go down another path with you here, and I filed this away when it was mentioned a few weeks ago, and I thought, I know Mike's going to be on with me at some point, and we got to get into this. Dave Tippett, of course, coached there, and he said he'd let you be on the bench for a game, and I think you even got to pick 
the players uh, yeah. in the shootout, and it was sort of a hey. Dave told it as a hey, Mike. I guess coaching's not so easy type moment. I think you know that it's not. Uh, but I, I would love your your recollection of, of of what happened for that game. Like who brought who, who whose idea was that? First of all. It was Dave's, and it was a brilliant idea on his part. I think Bob Sturm, was a big radio voice down here, also got the opportunity to do it. Uh, basically, we stood on the bench for the entire game. We were in the locker room for all the meetings. Um, and, you know, we didn't do anything during the game other than observe. Uh, but it was cool. I mean, like, to hear the chatter, to, to hear the players. I think Steve Ott was uh, on, you know, on the team at the time, and he was, you know, he was just jawing with the opposition right in front of the bench, and you're just like, holy cow, this is fantastic. Well, this was the year, I believe, that they started the shootout. And so every se- every single preseason game ended with a shootout. And so uh, Tip goes, all right, here you go, pick them. And, you know, I'm watching the game, and I'm thinking, okay, I, you know, I watch practice. I know what I'm doing. And so I believe I went with UC Jokinen, Auntie Mietman, who had a really good game, and Sergei Zuboff. Well, Sergei Zuboff made him all the time. I don't know if you guys remember back then. He was really good. And so <laughs> Jokinen gets stopped, Mietman gets stopped, and the other team makes their two shots. Sergei Zuboff never got to shoot. The best, maybe the best shootout guy in the NHL. And I'm saving him for third, thinking, well, that's how we're going to win this game. And Tip goes, never. You know, you always put Zuboff first. And it was a great lesson. And, and you know, the whole process was great. And, and I think it, it speaks to Dave, um, you know, just how much he wants to help. And, and he understood the market. I mean, he was in Houston um, and he was in L.A. So he understood Sunbelt hockey and, and how, you know, you have to help the media tell their stories and, and get the good word of hockey out. So he was, he was great. And that was just a fantastic experience. I have heard coaches say that the bench is actually the worst place to watch an NHL game if you want to get a sense of the flow because, uh, you know, they always will go back and watch the game with the kind of the, the wide-view camera after when they break down their film and sometimes learn different things. Did you have... Uh, like How different was it? Was it difficult to pick up on certain things being that close to the ice? Yeah, Definitely. Uh, just just the flow of the lines. I mean, it looks like a computer game from up in the press box, and it looks like pure chaos down on the ice. And, you know, it's trying to see plays. I was talking to uh, Todd Nelson about this, about how his move to the box has helped him, because the biggest problem is seeing down in the corners on the side of the bench. Because when you're standing in that little, you know, back and looking through the crowd or through the glass, you can't see anything. So plays are happening, and you have no idea what happened. And so players are coming back to the bench, and you're going like, okay, so what happened there? And then you're trying to have that conversation and still watch what's going on during the game. And it, it really is, it, it's chaos. And then the other thing is, is plays that look so easy, now you start to appreciate how players that have vision are so good because you can't see it. Like, bodies are flying all over the place. And, you know, for a player to actually be able to see the passing lane or to see a guy getting open, is really difficult. And, you know, we're sitting up in the press box going, like, how could he not see that? You know, or watching it at home in slow motion on TV or whatever. And, and when you're down on the ice, it's incredibly fast and incredibly uh, visually impaired. Uh, so so it, it really is a great experience if you ever get a chance to do it. Did you learn any new words? 
<laughs> no, I know them all, but you, you, know, you hear them a lot. I, I think maybe the thing that was most interesting to me was the ability for a player like Steve Ott to change gears. Like, he was super ticked off and, and really trying to kill somebody and come back, you know, maybe even in the same ship telling jokes. Right. And you know, it, it really is interesting, just the emotional intensity out there. And I think the humor is kind of a, a safeguard to say, okay, okay, we're all fine here. You know, we're all friends. But, but you know, the emotion of the game, you know, even a preseason game, is, is pretty intense. Mike, it's always great to catch up with you. A lot going on with the Stars. We really appreciate your perspective. Of course, these two teams are going to play next week. They had a pretty good game at Rogers Place uh, about three weeks ago with Dallas coming from behind to uh, win in overtime. Thanks so much, Mike. We'll see you soon. Okay. Love the city up there, and uh, good luck to Tip and everybody. So have fun. Right on. That is Mike Heike checking in from DallasStars.com. As he told you, he's been covering the Stars since they moved from Minnesota to Dallas. He's a great resource. Uh, coaching change was a pretty big surprise there yesterday, and I love how Tip said, come uh, come on the bench. And so that was, what, coming out of the lockout 05-06, they had a shootout every game in the preseason. Even if it was 7-1, they still had a shootout. So Heike got to pick the players, put Sergey Zuboff third, and uh, he didn't even get to shoot. But that's uh, that's pretty cool that Tippett did that. It is 6-51. The Raptors are catching up. Now down five with about five minutes left in the third quarter, 72-67 for Kawhi and the Clippers. We'll keep you updated. It's Inside Sports on 630 Chet. Hi, this is Darnell Nurse from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chet. Good to have you tuning in tonight. 7804960063 is the call to both is the number to both call and text. This texter says, so will the tickets from the carryover 5050 be eligible to win on December 31st? No, you have to have a ticket from that night. Or there's 5050 on New Year's Eve will start at $116,000 because of a carry forward pot. By the way, carry forward pot now legal in Canada. Wasn't always. Did you know that, Kellen? Carry forward and carry Holden. This texture says the 100th Grey Cup in Toronto had a 50-50 of like fifteen thousand dollars. I couldn't believe it. That is low. They they fifty fifty is the passion for fifty fifty. I believe is a uniquely Western Canadian phenomenon. It's big out here, yeah. Like you, every you, you have to buy a fifty fifty. I buy 50-50 at Eskimos games. I don't want to Oilers games. I'm not on on the concourse where they're being sold. But how how many of you could go to a sporting event and think, "Ah, I'm just not going to get the 50-50? I mean, whether you go to a McEwen basketball game, an Oilers game, whatever, if there's 50-50, I would think most of us are inclined to buy it or at least buy it Sometimes, like, how many people never buy a 50-50 at a sporting event? I don't know. I I would think that that person might be rare. Rick is calling in. Go ahead, Rick. Yeah, I want to comment on the Edmonton Oilers. And, uh, 
you know, credit goes to uh, the experience, and it's obvious maybe to hockey people. Uh, Ken Holland and Dave Tippett have uh, started off the season, you know, playing their racehorses up front, which is McDavid and Dreisaitl, and giving the fans what uh, they've been longing for for so many years. So, But, you know, the master plan is uh, unfolding where they realize, obviously, that they've got to split them up. You know, and it's up to the other players to, um, you know, to show their stuff. And, and it may be obvious that the other players aren't quite there where Ken Holland will, you know, in the new year, as, as the talk might be, uh, he may make some changes. But I think uh, the credit goes to Ken Holland and Dave Tippett for having a plan that's given the fans some success. And, uh, and now we're starting to see uh, what else they have, and they may or may not have. But... Anyways, I just wanted to say that uh, the credit goes to uh, the plan. You know, I believe that Holland and Tibbet have had a plan, and uh, said enough, I'll just sit back and listen. I enjoy your show. All right, Rick, appreciate you listening. Uh, well, yeah, this is going to be a longer-term thing, I think, to truly evaluate Ken Holland. We saw what he did in the summer, add some depth players who specifically can specialize in penalty killing, and with the exception of last night, the penalty killing has been very good. I mean, they allowed three goals on the power play last night, and they also took some bad penalties, so that's, that didn't help. So the penalty kill's been a huge plus this season, and Holland brought those guys in. Um, yeah, I think we'll see how his draft picks work out, and if he decides, if the Oilers are still really in the thick of it in January, February, if he decides to beef up the roster and think, okay, maybe this is the year we can do some damage in the playoffs. I think Tippett's done a good job, and I think you have to give a lot of credit to Jim Playfair with the defense and the penalty killing as well. Coming up to the 7 o'clock news, Inside Sports on 6.30 Chet. Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad.